0: Hi guys, welcome to On The DL, The Practical Approach. Uh, today, we're excited to have our beautiful Dak on as a guest rather than a presenter because we're uh, taking her uh, her professional opinion today as a uh, separate component from, the, from On The DL. So what we'd like to do is first introduce our topic, then introduce our guest. So today we're going to be looking at considerations across the sexes for powerlifting, basically, guys. We have the beautiful Dakota, who, uh, you know, is from the, the DAC side, so no introduction needed. <laughs> and the lovely Zach over there, who is with Nexus Performance, and they're going to share their expertise today. <laughs> hey,
1: Jack. <laughs> Jack. From
0: the- hey, Jack, yes. <laughs> you can be part of it too. All yeah. right, Zach, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do before we launch into this?
2: Sure. Um, as Lance introduced, I'm with performance and for me, mostly I deal with competitive powerlifters as a demographic. A few general pop here and there, but really performance-based powerlifting coaching is the role I kind of live in. For awesome. Awesome. And how long have
0: you been doing it, Zach?
2: About four years at this point, which is, it seems like the time's gone pretty quickly, but yeah, about four years I've been in the space of remote coaching as a powerlifter.
0: I guess when you love something, it does tend to fly by like that, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Talk to us, Dak, what about you? How long have you been uh, in the PL space? How long have I been?
1: I think it's been, I think I started maybe six months or a year after you, I think. Um, I, started, I started off in uh, group training, just like certificate-free stuff for about yeah. a year and a half. And then I went to more online certificate form more personalized stuff. Yep. So it's probably been about, about, yeah, four or maybe just under five years that I've been in, like, you know, the the training aspect. Yeah, definitely. What
0: what got you excited about powerlifting as a sport? Because obviously you were a competitor as well as a coach. What got you so excited about powerlifting
1: as a sport? I think it was uh, what got me straight into it uh, was the numbers. Like I'm always, you know, I'm very harsh on myself in terms of you know, what I can do in my progression. So when I saw a sport that was like, okay, you got these numbers and now in 12 weeks' time you have to get a little bit more, it's like, perfect, I can track that, that's easy. I can give myself, you know, 100% of myself and I can get better and better. And I just, I became obsessed with it.
0: Yeah, and data, 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 you know, it is, it's kind of fun to have something to track that's not, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, there's no yeah. question about whether or not you're progressing. It just is what it is. What about you, Zach? So you've been a bodybuilder, a, body a powerlifter, now an ollie lifter.
2: <laughs> I've been it? a bit of everything. Um, I think for me, the appeal of powerlifting is really just how simple it was. It was either a pass or a fail. There's very clear guidelines for if you did well or if you did poorly. And I am a very simple person and like things that can be done simply with a lot of effort. That was really the biggest <laughs>
0: I definitely resonate with that. I can definitely resonate with that.
1: So now, a uh, did... side question. Yeah? Why haven't you done powerlifting?
0: I did, technically. <laughs> like a long, long time ago, I lifted with the media, yay, and I won everything. But <laughs> good. Just had to slide that in there. To, to be fair, the number of competitors was quite limited, so it didn't take
1: a huge amount to win those competitions. Win. Nobody knows how many people <laughs> were on the day. Nobody knows. <laughs> but it was a
0: great, to, it was a great fun. Honestly, I don't thrive on competition. I have always, always struggled on comp day. I love the training, I love everything else to do with it, but. On comp day, I used to have to have my earphones in, my coach had to tell me when to get on the platform because otherwise I would spend the entire time weeing my panties in the (laughs) back. So it was just a horrible experience in my, for me, it was a horrible experience, but I love everything that goes on behind it. So you know me, Dak, you know, I'm part-time powerlifter, part-time bodybuilder, and I just do as I please in the gym and I enjoy that and it's great because I get to be surrounded by people like you guys who inspire me to push harder with the strength stuff but also pull me in when I'm doing silly things like Zach did when I was doing low bar squat for no apparent reason (laughs) 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 it's handy it's very handy now throwing it back at you guys how does it go living together and having to make sort of very similar decisions on a day-to-day basis. So obviously you're both programming for different people. You're both in similar sports. You've got to have some great conversations.
1: (laughs) Normally the conversations that we have is me closing the office door and telling him to stop pacing or stop yelling on the phone. That's generally how it goes. Love yeah, it, retort I
2: mean, that I, mean, <laughs> I I I like I enjoy talking about the theory behind framing. I really enjoy having heated discussions about topics and heated <laughs> discussions about what she enjoys. So the office door just slowly slides shut. Mid sentence.
1: It's probably the safest bet, right? <laughs> Yeah. I I personally love, I mean, I love my job and I love training, powerlifting, you know, everything about it. But I definitely enjoy the times that uh, Zach and I cannot talk about it.
0: You'd, need, you'd have to have that though. You'd have to be able to switch off.
1: Like Ali and I, my partner
0: and I, we live together and we operate our business from home. You know, there's there's definitely moments where you just want to shut the door and make sure that... <laughs> you can't see them for five minutes and just walk away and have your own life but at the end of the day we love them and we always open the door at yeah. the end of the night <laughs>
1: yeah of course of course eventually.
0: Right. so guys enough about what I want to know let's talk about what the people on Instagram want to know so we really um just want to wanted to get your expertise and a a good look at the differences between how you might program and plan for people of different sexes as powerlifters so um let's let's literally read the questions what are some of the major factors you consider when programming for a powerlifting athlete just in general so i'll jump in first on
2: that one i guess when you're looking at Power thing in any sort of training as a whole. You have a few different lenses you can look at training from. You have this sort of lens like the bio psycho social model, which kind of says, I can't even talk, which kind of dictates that everything to do with performance is influenced by many spheres of life. And I think that a lens like that is important to come at it from because if you're not taking taking into account things like their job their social economic class and all the things that allow them to live their life outside of the gym then you yeah. can't really get an accurate picture and an accurate prescription for load intensities and volume and stuff like that so i guess the overarching thing talking about the difference between the sexes and differences between men and women um first off you have to kind of get them as individuals and say cool who's the, the who and the what are they doing and yeah. then build on how you're actually going to achieve that so having a decent understanding of what their day-to-day life looks like because once you understand that picture you have a better lens to look at how much load and volume they can actually accumulate before you start to push things too far
0: yeah because yeah, I guess I... even basics like time management would definitely come into it right so sorry yeah. Dak, you were going
1: to say something I mean he pretty much said it all with his hands um <laughs> I
0: i do it too zach don't worry <laughs>
1: um you know i pretty much agree uh no i yeah 100 percent. like obviously when you're getting a client you know um it's not some cookie cutter program the powerlifting it has to be very specific to the person so yeah like zach said taking into consideration how much time they can actually apply to the training um and obviously like you, you want people committed but you don't you know you want people to also have a life and have that uh you know, time to be able to have with their family or, you know, pets and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, I agree.
0: And even in general, you'd have to look into things like um, previous experience, you've got to look at things like injury, history, mm. and that sort of does as well, which yeah. before you even consider whether or not the athlete is of one sex or the other, Basically. you're going to look at all yeah. of these things first, right? Well, okay, which which of the factors that you would look at would vary between the sexes, guys. So, of all of those factors that come that come into it, what would you specifically kind of? Nine times out of ten, what would vary between a male lifter and a female lifter?
2: So, I'll I'll skirt around a little bit because well, there is certain lifestyle factors that men and women do choose differently in terms of employment and a lot of other things. Mm. However, they are really relevant in the sense of men do a bit more manual labor and have an athlete who is doing a very manual job that mm. also takes into account in their volume. Period. But to mm. kind of skirt around that and skirt around making broad sweeping how people live their lives, as a whole, women are much better at dealing with higher frequencies and higher volumes. Yeah. Um, it's not even just saying they deal with better because they're women, it's more so the less weight someone moves and the smaller that person is, yeah. the more volume and frequency they can handle. Like to draw a comparison, like if you account for body weight and stuff, if you have a small woman and a small man, yeah. their training has more in common than a big man and a small man, if that makes sense. So it's more yeah. so the size and strength of the organism, regardless of sex, dictates its ability to recover and output and all that kind of stuff. But generally because women are a little bit smaller and proportionally move less load they recover a bit quicker so they need on a whole higher amounts of frequency and they can maintain those higher frequencies to push more adaptation
0: that's yeah that's really interesting Dak, did you have anything you wanted to add to that
1: that's pretty much it really <laughs> <laughs> at all really so apart
0: yeah. from obviously frequency and volume you've covered there um more more based yeah, on yeah so talk to me talk to me in terms then of the approach of a female versus a male athlete to their programming so they've you've, you've done all of the work all of the behind the scenes stuff you've written up this program and you've sent it off to the client, are there differences in how the client will respond, I guess, not not physically but psychologically to the program and does that impact how they follow the program? So things like adherence, for instance, in nutrition, adherence and honesty in feedback is usually higher in males than it is in females. Is there a similar sort of situation in programming for
1: powerlifting? I find, uh, I mean, I obviously approach a lot more females than males, (laughs) but I find that, um, yeah, females are uh, a lot more communicative. Like they will pretty much outlay their entire week in three different paragraphs. They'll they'll (laughs) upload all of their videos They'll be like, oh, my foot was a little off centre. What about this? What do you think of this? So, like, the, the, the communication is a lot more demanding with the females. Um, yeah. Obviously, the emotional stuff as well. Um, You know, not saying that females are more emotional than males, but more so they're, they're happy to outlay their stresses uh, yeah. a lot more in regards to training. Um they're more and more verbal kind of and vocal about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, if they yeah. have a bad session or a session didn't go, way that they want it to they're definitely a lot more opinionated about it um (laughs) whereas I find uh myself included um I find that uh, males are definitely just really simple like they'll tell you what you need to know and that's probably as far as it goes I find that with programming and and nutrition as well um but yeah I definitely find they're very very different like very different As a coach, do you both find one easier to work with
0: than the other? So do you find having the feedback from the females is more beneficial or do you find it's easier to work with people who
1: minimise male or female, you know? We're we're kind of opposite here because I personally love, I love communication. I love knowing (laughs) exactly what's going on. I love a good conversation. Whereas I feel like if I get someone who says one sentence, I'm like, there's definitely more going on. I need to know it and I have to pry it out of them. Whereas Zach is the opposite. Yeah.
2: yeah, for me, I think that, I mean, again, there's between men and women, the attributes would make a good client, just a good client, whether or not you're adherent. I don't think for me, I've found that there's a big difference between men and women in terms of actual adherence and effort in the program. Yeah. As Dakota had said, it usually boils down to the method of communication that they prefer, like with a man, i usually find they'll truck along pretty happily until something goes pretty wrong, and then once yeah. something kind of shits to bed, their communication steps up and then it'll taper back off as so when of they tear
0: a bicep or they miss a PV basically <laughs> <laughs> and something like it's
2: not like, and I think both both forms of communication come to their detriment, like you'll find with the people who are over-communicative which more often not turn out to be female but there is gaps and overlap that yeah. make a broad spectrum for the clients who do communicate to a obscenely fine detail you usually find that bleeds into their adherence in the sense of they're very able retentive they pick apart every detail and it can eventually come down to a negative impact so it's kind of yeah. like sometimes just enough communication is all that you need to get the message across clearly, or you get that hidden within a bunch of different things. But again, it also comes down to personality attributes that more often than not express in men over women, as opposed to.
0: Yeah, that's right. We're not saying that there's particularly with the psychological side of things, it's never going to be clear cut female (laughs) and male. You know, there are some physiological things that will be fairly clear cut in that, you know, the female body is estrogen dominant, (laughs) the male body is testosterone dominant, but a lot of it, there's going to be a little bit of blurring around the edges. All right, so let's, let's pivot a little bit then and talk about a really popular topic at the moment which is training around the menstrual cycle now can i before these guys even go into this i'm going to put a, a little caveat on it because this depends on whether or not you're on the oral contraceptive pill whether you have an iud the type of iud you have da, 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 da. so we don't want to throw Dak and zach under the bus <laughs> and sort of say be really specific because at the end of the day all you can really talk about in this circumstance is how it's applied to the individual right because you know a natural cycle should look similar for most women but everything hmm. else is a um I guess what's the word I'm looking for everything else is a flag on the play you just don't you don't know you just got to stop and a flag on the place flag on the play. Is that like a really um, British term? Did I just flag, like I've never it? heard of that before. She said play, not play. Oh,
2: play.
0: i flag on <laughs> a <place>. Who's <laughs> saying that? I have, I, my dad's a Brit, so I have some weird yeah. uh, Brit-isms that come out from time to time. So thinking natural cycle then, guys, is there anything that you would do differently in terms of programming for a client who has a natural menstrual cycle,
2: I just whispered the Dakota to Matt's stuff first. Well, this to me is, <laughs> I love, like, every time a dude talks about anything to do with the menstrual cycles, the internet gets super angry. But I'm not coming at this from the perspective of I know everything there is to know about ovaries. From the perspective <laughs> of a performance coach in the yeah. demographic which I work within, you can't preemptively plan just because a hormonal environment may be more conducive to one thing over the other. If you look at an athlete's competitive season, especially in powerlifting, you've got 52 weeks on. You're yeah. always either prepping or working on something. And for you to say, cool, we're automatically going to decide there's 12 weeks here <laughs> that you're going to deload because of ovaries. It's a gross oversimplica- oversimplification of the amount of things that impact hormonal balances and how stress and sleep and nutrition all play not as much of a role as the natural cycle of whatever's going on.
0: But to but. an extent, you could argue that, right? Like you could argue yeah. that if you have all of those factors right, um, then it's not going to play this huge role that it might in other circumstances because if you're not getting enough sleep, your nutrition's off, so on and so forth, that is going to affect your symptoms with your your menstrual cycle. It's going to affect Mm -hmm. the likelihood of you having estrogen dominance and all of these Mm -hmm. other issues that I think a lot of women get confused about. So when we're talking about how menstrual cycles affect your training, there's two different ways we can talk about it. We can talk about it from a hormonal perspective, which is what Zach's trying to address here. But the other side of it is pain, discomfort, bloating, da 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 da. Some women have a menstrual cycle where they don't experience any of that. And therefore, it's going to have less of an impact on their training just in general, right? So trying to trying to predict what to do and when based on a natural cycle even then it's going to be specific to the client and specific yeah. to what that client experiences through the month personally I don't really notice any significant difference throughout the month you know yeah. yes I'll notice differences in hunger fluid retention that sort of stuff. Yeah. but in terms of my strength it must be so minimal that I'm unable. To actually notice it, but Steffi Cohen swears by the fact that she's significantly affected by her menstrual cycle. Right? Like, there's yeah. massive differences person to person. So I think again, it comes down to that whole idea of trying to trying to classify, trying to classify in mm. sexes, trying to classify <laughs> any sort of big group is always going to leave you looking for more, isn't it? So. Yeah. All right, so you know, Zach's obviously only going to be able to comment on this from a scientific perspective. I Zach on not the, the other hand.
2: Just to <laughs> clarify, I've never experienced I've
1: he's, he's got the emotional side of the impact, <laughs> but not the actual uh, internal
0: side. So, Zach, you have experienced this. And I think I you and I were chatting the other day about someone who had asked you a question about having a period on comp day. Um, And interestingly, you said that you had had yours on comp day before. Did that have any impact, do you think, on your overall performance on the day?
1: I don't think so. Like for me personally, day one of, you know, a period is my worst. Yeah. Um, But it's, you know, that's both physically and mentally. Um, every other day is perfectly fine. I don't see a decrease in strength. I mean, personally, you know, you're always going to see those dips and dives and rises of strength and performance. You know, mm-hmm. it's, like you said, sleep, recovery, nutrition—they all play a huge role. Uh, for me, I haven't seen ever seen a strength dip during that time, even yeah. through competition. Like, I think, I don't know, I. The, the work you do in that 12 weeks can't just be thrown out by, you know, that one day, like, well, I've got my period, that means everything's going to go to shit. It, just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And same
0: goes for timing, I guess, in terms of um, we, you can't change when the comp is, right? <laughs> like,
1: no, I mean, it'd be date, great.
0: <laughs> the comp date is the comp date. So if you're programmed for the comp day and say, say for instance, I'll just give an example of what I guess a normal cycle should do in terms of affecting your strength performance, da da. So in terms of day one of your period, everything's fairly low, right? So your progesterone, your estrogen, it's all dumped. It's all gone really low, and that's what's triggered you to have your period. Over the next few days, your estrogen starts to rise, and that's when we should theoretically feel our strongest. Some women report that they do, some women report that they don't. And then up until ovulation, we should be, I guess, in the most beneficial situation in terms of strength. Then once we go through that ovulation, things change quite dramatically. All of a sudden, progesterone becomes the dominant hormone. Estrogen is... Still on the rise, but because progesterone is there, it kind of counteracts what estrogen is doing. Um, so during the week or so prior to your period is when you're most likely to be affected strength-wise from a hormonal perspective. In terms of my clientele and just gen feedback from from the people who are in similar sports or in powerlifting, ollie lifting, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. I don't get much feedback saying that there is a significant difference when I talk to bodybuilding athletes different story for some reason so I haven't been able to put two and two together with that but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a topic for another day and Zach yeah. can probably uh, go off and research that and come back because yeah. <laughs> let's face it you're an egghead um, <laughs> so in terms of trying to then program for that what the hell are you going to do every third week you can't pull back and then expect to have the same outcome from that training block. It's yeah. realistically not going to have a significant enough of an impact for it to be worth programming in for probably 90% of the population. Yeah.
1: I I personally believe that I think the mental side, like if you... Read up on Instagram or, you know, just one of those posts (laughs) that, uh, it's the new rage talking about the hormones. If you, if you see, oh, you're weaker through this one week or you're weaker through this part, you go into the gym and you tell yourself you're weaker. I think that is actually going to have more of a detriment than the actual point in your period.
0: Absolutely. I, I think you're right. I think we underestimate what mindset does. You know, I'm the perfect example. You know, I was joking before about day but i've never hit a pb on comp day i've never hit a pb on comp day because i am terrified and so i walk in there that's it and i walk in there with this massive fear of failure so it's really difficult for me to perform at my peak then i go Mm. into the gym other other than pro raw where everyone does stop and watch you and that scares the crap out of me too (laughs) you go into the gym and you're on your own and no one's worried Mm. about what you're doing. And then I can pull whatever is put on the bar, you know, it's a, yeah, that psychological impact is huge. That's why I used to wear the headphones because if Mm. I knew what my coach had put on the bar, I would slack myself out of it. I'd tell myself I couldn't Mm -hmm. lift it and then self-fulfilling prophecy. It is you walk on the platform and you can't lift it. So it's, I think you're right I think there's a massive amount of uh, psychology coming into play here and the more it gets talked about the more people are going to think that it's affecting them so it's good it's good to have this information it's good to understand the hormonal fluctuations throughout Mm. the the cycle but don't automatically apply that to your situation. Don't sort of say, yeah. all right, so this is what's happening. So now, again, self-fulfilling prophecy. Now I'm going to go into mm. the gym and the first two weeks I'm going to push really hard because that's when I should be stronger. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to get a bit punsy for a week and I'm just going to pull back. <laughs> so, you know.
2: And I mean, so, there's nothing wrong as well. I think that from a programming perspective, Since everyone's like slowly become a massive data file and saying that you need to track everything. I'm on my second and a third day of my period that means I'm at this saturation message and now I'm going to hit my PR. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being reactive to variables. It's like, cool, if you wake up one morning and you feel shit, Mm. then be reactive and implement that deload. But if you get to the same day the next month and you feel great, you don't just say, well, this Instagram infographic." me oh, this so I'm just going to be safe you can't yeah. use it as an excuse to not actually work hard. just like yeah. the night that you have a terrible night of sleep but you still come in and hit a PR sure That's the right. environment's not perfect but you can still invest the effort and reap the reward I think that people just need to sack it up to some extent and say cool if this week I feel bad I'm reactive and implement a deload. if yeah. the same time next month comes around I feel great I'm not going to psych myself out, as you said, and abide by it.
1: Because
0: same thing goes with central nervous system recovery, right? Like sometimes we've got a lot going on in our lives and then we're also training hard. And so we don't recover, right? But it's not because of the training. The training hasn't changed. Nothing, nothing there has changed. It's all of these other components playing into it. And like you said, then you've got to be reactive to it. If you push, when your central nervous system is not capable of adapting to that, then you are more likely to have injury, you're more likely to have delayed recovery, you're more likely to have all sorts of other things going on. But if you, if you see that coming before it actually happens, then you're going to make it happen it's just gonna you know if you assume that it's gonna happen you're probably going to bring it to fruition and that's a bit of a worry isn't it <laughs> the cool thing I guess is though if our mind can work so well that way theoretically it should also be classic enough to work that well the other way which means that if we can go in and give ourselves enough of a pep talk and really pull ourselves into the right mindset it can work for us not just against us hey <laughs> All right, back to the questions, guys, because like always we've gone on about 50 billion tangents. <laughs> so I'm gonna come on across and go with are there noticeable trends in recovery from males to female athletes, which we kind of covered, but do you want to go into mm-hmm. it in a little bit more depth, guys?
2: Um yeah, I think that for the most part, like we said before, it is based more so off the size of the person. If you have A 90 kilo female who's jacked to the teeth and can squat 250 kilos, their recovery is going to be very different to a smaller female who squats 50 kilos. So I think that, Mm -hmm. as a whole, basing the recovery trend off someone's strength and off their ability to output load Mm -hmm. is the only way to really do it. Yeah, Yeah, you can't
1: just say you're a female, you train this way, you're a male, you train this way. You know, in this day and age of
0: calorie thing, there are a lot of females that are actually stronger than males. Yeah, especially yeah. lower body, especially um, uh, yeah. squats and deads. Yeah. Hey, yeah. There seems to be more discrepancy. <laughs> there seems to be more discrepancy between male and female lifters on bench press, though, right? That, that gap never seems to close quite as much. Do you mm-hmm. think that has to do more with um, structural makeup? Or do you think that that has more to do with the fact that women don't tend to prioritize upper body the way that men do? Because I tell you Corruption what, yeah. yeah,
2: very, yeah. very definitively. Because if you look at that gap, it exists between competitive power lifters who their goal is to bench press the most. And you have some yep. dudes benching 300, yeah. while um, I think the biggest female bench is like 170 something.
1: It's That's a really lot. But it's really impressive. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, so it's definitely the distribution of mass and the yeah. amount of androgen receptors in the upper body tissue, which is yeah. relative to the lower body slightly. Higher.
0: Yeah. Um. I was going to say as well, just from my question, from me, in terms of, in terms of prior training history, how much do you think that plays into it? So, say for instance, you were talking before about how a small female and small small male are more similar than a large male and a small male, for instance. Say, for instance, I'm saying for instance a lot. Sorry, guys. <laughs> say, say we take somebody, for instance, if we take somebody who's got a training history that's largely endurance-based So um, an endurance athlete like a runner or a cyclist or even something like a gymnast where it's kind of a bit of a combination of both, they aren't prioritising hypertrophy specifically because the transfer into their sport is not the same as it would be as a Mm powerlifter. Do you think that would significantly affect the likelihood of them improving as a lifter?
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, they're kind of those separate roles of I forget the word. Um, separate roles of physical things. There's there's a word for it, but I can't remember. (laughs) Qualities of fitness. That's the qualities of fitness. Those different qualities. They're very different in terms of how the how the tissue has to accommodate to its environment. So if you look at somebody who has a very heavy endurance background, their rate of improvement in say the field of strength would be Drastic because the amount of stimulus needed to push that quality forward would be almost nothing. It's why beginners get so good so quickly yeah. because the it. amount of stimulus they need, they're going from nothing to something, which is a way bigger jump than 1% to
0: 2%. And that would probably have a secondary benefit as well, wouldn't it? Because their delay in fatigue would probably be even better because of what they've conditioned themselves to. Yeah, so basically yeah. this is our sales pitch to all of the runners out there to become powerlifters. <laughs> <getting the chance. laughs> all right. Well, that no, that's a good one. I'm glad I asked that and I'm glad we got a bit of an answer there. All right, the last question or second last question I've got here is psychologically do you find male and female uh, lifters differ in their in their approach to comp prep and the off season,
1: yeah. for me personally, um, definitely, uh, I don't. Know, I find that females take it a little bit more seriously, or more so. Not that more so, they put more pressure on themselves. That's what I found in regards to comp prep. Um, yeah. I find that for me personally, most males struggle to stay on track without a purpose. That's what I found from my experience.
2: So, you think I that? I think that, yeah, you go Len.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say so you think that off season is more difficult for males and comp prep is maybe more difficult for females, Dak?
1: That's what I've found. I found like with off season, it's really easy for, uh, from what I've experienced with my clients, I find females stay on track or do find like a purpose a lot easier, whereas I feel uh, males need. A goal or per se a competition to kind of push themselves for
0: yep that benchmark sorry zach yeah. go for it darling
1: i think that
0: I,
2: I disagree a little bit because i think the correlation has more to do with the caliber of the athlete over those personality traits well so i guess there is overlap in the sense of like if you look at something like a DISC profile, it kind of measures different personality traits. Yeah. Mm. Um, some of the traits that females exhibit slightly higher in have a greater focus on enjoying the process or yeah. ticking off those small goals. Whereas a lot of men, especially men who push towards higher achievement in sport, have more dominance traits. They have more goal orientation in that regard. Mm. But in that same thing, Females at the top of their sport exhibit higher in those dominance traits. Yeah. (laughs) So it comes down to if someone's a really good athlete, regardless of sex, they'll chase and approach it with that same single-minded mentality, whereas somebody who exhibits more in conscientiousness or influence, um, they'll focus more on, I'm just enjoying getting to the spot. The spot's somewhat irrelevant at this point, but I'm enjoying what's going on, so I'll keep doing it
0: enjoying the Personally,
1: process. i found that I, even when I was at a top level in powerlifting, I found, I mean, I did enjoy competing, but I didn't have an issue. Like, my mindset from when I first started to when I was totaling a lot uh, didn't really change in terms of, uh, you know, be, being okay with a six-month off-season, you know? Yeah. Uh, not struggling to go to training sessions through that six-month period yeah. versus by the weeks, like the the demand doesn't really change. That's yeah. what
0: I found personally. Do you think that was more of a personality trait though, Gorge? Do you think that was more yeah. just that's the type of person that you are? Because I'm similar yeah. in that even look, most of the time I don't have a goal in the gym or I'll have mini goals in terms mm. of, you know, someone will say to me, what do you want to lift on bench? And I'll say, oh, I'd like 80. <laughs> 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 and then I just potter along and sort of chase that and that's enough to keep me turning up to all of my sessions I don't need any further motivation or incentive to continue turning up to my sessions but then I have clients who will find every excuse not to turn up to a session even when they have a goal so even though they've got Mm. this outcome that they're chasing they still find reasons to put themselves in a position where they're less likely to actually achieve it, and I, I reckon yeah. that's got to be more of just a straight-out personality trait, right? Yeah,
1: who you are. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 You you go okay without having a goal, a set goal, don't use that. Like I've, I've worked, you, Zach? Like I'm, I'm
2: terrible. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because <laughs> myself and the personality, I kind of intersect between. Uh, like very analytical i'm in between analytical and dominance
1: yeah. so
2: for me if i have that clear defined goal i'll pursue it very heavily Hi. but if i don't <laughs> i'll just pit her off but I, like it doesn't have to be a cement goal there has to just be something if there's nothing yeah. i'll just float around like buried um yeah. dakota is similar but she's like if she was to have a it to be a big old dominance like she's When she has an (laughs) overarching goal, she'll, like, tear through a wall.
0: Anything to But once that goal's
2: not there, same thing. But she was also a very high-level athlete, and those dominant traits correlate very, very highly to preferable sporting outcomes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why you were so keen to get into a different sport, wasn't it, Zach? You know, you kind of you knew where you were in terms of powerlifting, you were happy with what you'd achieved and you needed something else to get into to keep that motivation and to keep that drive going. It's really interesting. Now, we did get one last question that was kind of a last minute question. So I'm going to be very rude and look it up on my phone because <laughs> otherwise I'll get it wrong. So uh, we had someone, uh, someone comment It would be super cool to hear about how mental health and health differs in the women's, men's sections of the community, especially after how much rise there's been in recent years with advocation for men's mental health and if it's still very much a taboo topic.
2: I wouldn't say as much It's taboo. I mean, getting into that mental health sphere is not one of my spheres of heavy knowledge i'm also let's just bottle her up and see when we explode so i'm probably not the best (laughs) to answer that question
1: i found more uh mental i found i was having more mental side conversations with nutrition rather than programming i found that a lot of a lot of people that did come to me for powerlifting programming weren't coming to do that to escape anything or you know um, a lot of people say that they really struggle mentally without the gym I wasn't getting a lot of those types of people yeah Um, I find that they're more you know your gen pop type that kind of do use the gym as an escape do you think maybe because the clients that are
0: coming to you already have a training background that they just don't have that association with it. So they've always had, or for as long as they can remember, they've had the mental health benefit. So they just don't actually know any difference. So as long as they keep training, they're getting the benefits without actually chasing them, so to speak. So, you know, I found a lot of people... Sorry. I was just going to say, I found a lot of people in lockdown have realised how much of an impact training had because they've never actually taken a break from it since they got into it. And having that forced break made them realise, oh, wow, I do actually get Mm. a mental health benefit out of it. Do you think it might just be one of those things where it's kind of shadowed by the fact that the people who come to you are already lifting, right? Like it's unlikely that people are going to reach out to a coach like you or Zach where you kind of, you know, you're a level (laughs) up. No, you're not the the baseline coaches that you see out there the mm. people who reach out to you guys have probably already got some sort of decent training history going on and they're reaching out to you guys because they know you can take them to the next level
1: I mean I get a lot of newbies as well like I get both types but I guess mm. I personally communicate quite a lot with my clients so yeah. I do have that I guess, more of a, you know, that little bit of a friendship there. So um, I definitely do get more of the, you know, life struggles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I personally haven't really gotten those life struggles. They haven't really affected uh, the lifting or the powerlifting type side of things. Um, yeah. That's what I found, I guess. Yeah. In fact, it could probably be, it would definitely be argued the other
0: way though, right? Like it's just empowering to be able to walk into the gym and see improvements week after week after week. Yeah, That alone is empowering. It makes you, it's a sense of achievement and a sense mm-hmm. of achievement is always going to make you feel more positive and pushed in the right direction. You know, even if you ignore all of the chemical stuff, even if you ignore the endorphins and all the other fun hormones that are produced just feeling that sense of achievement is pretty impressive.
1: Zach has quite a few more male clients than I do. Yeah. Um, do you find that that has much association with it? Or I think for so?
2: me, as Lance said, I have a very biased sample size. I have a lot of people that can talk the gym away from them then they can help with the client rather rapidly. So I think that, yeah, in the case of if the people who are that gen pop side, you do see, a very steep improvement in those kind of markers of mental health when they implement these things But for someone say like myself I've been training for probably getting close to a decade at this point um I don't know any difference so whether or yeah. not it is a, a help towards my mental health I know if I don't train I want to like jump out the front door and roll around in a big puddle of mud because I'm just so pent up actually, it looks yeah, like yeah, Zach Jack knows
0: that too <laughs>
2: Yeah, it definitely I I honestly forgot the question we're answering, but mental health and gym, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> one plus <laughs> <that's> one <laughs> equals food, <one>, right?
2: <laughs> that's it's it's true
0: though. Sometimes we don't need to overcomplicate it. Sometimes it is just that simple, right? If going to the gym makes you feel better physically, no. mentally, emotionally, just do it. Like, yeah, we we want to I'm big into research. I love research, but I don't think we should base everything off of it. I think, you know, what you guys were talking about right at the beginning, understanding the client, understanding what pressures the client is under, um, time constraints and other things that are factoring in are a much bigger deal than, you know, this clinical trial showed that if we um, <laughs> increase the volume by this much, <laughs> it's just not going to work across the board for everybody so we just need to get back to treating the human rather than treating the sex or treating the it, it doesn't matter we don't want to categorize the way that um, studies have to clinical studies have to categorize like that right there's no real yeah. other way of going about it if you're going to analyze a study you've got to say this is the outcome <laughs> and therefore it's always going to be a classification We don't have to do that as coaches. That's the difference between jumping on and doing an online system where, you know, you just type in your numbers and that's all that it can work off of and going to see a coach, you know, kind of important
2: factors. For coaches being in the business of people, if you take into consideration all those individual markers, you could get a person who is a Simpsons character. You don't know anything about them other than their lifestyle choices how they enjoy the train and those sorts of things. Doesn't matter if they're male, female, anything else. It's like cool. You have the fundamental thing <laughs> of this organism. Yeah. Now you can give them the correct thing based off that. Yeah. That's all that yes. really matters. And if you know something,
1: you can give them that.
2: Yeah. And honestly, That's usually right. you find some people who do break trends. It's like this shouldn't make any sense, but somehow it does.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, boys and girls, is there anything you would like to say to sum up before we say farewell
1: to all of the beautiful viewers? No, I think that's about it, really. I mean, definitely <laughs> shoot us a cover it all. Um, definitely shoot us any questions that you have. Uh, Put them yeah, down below. The, it's down there i love the help. Yeah, 100%.
0: All right, thank you so much, Dak. Thanks for uh, coming on as a guest today rather than being our beautiful presenter. We'll look forward to having you back next episode. I know I prefer it when we get to play together. <laughs> Zach from Nexus Performance, thanks again for coming on and giving us your side of the story. I think it's um, it's, it's been an informative episode and I think our crew will love watching it. So thanks, guys.
2: <laughs> thank you. Bye.